0: Galatians chapter number 4, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to start in verse number 1. Just read the first seven verses. Galatians chapter number 4, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed Of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba father wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son and if a son then an heir of god through christ boy isn't that a wonderful passage of scripture but i want you to see this in verse number four but when the fullness of time was come god sent forth his son and i want to preach this morning for a little while on this subject matter on just in time for christmas just in time for christmas you know at any time that christ was born would have been just in time for christmas because he is christmas it's the day of christ and we're going to look at this i love the truth out of this passage of scripture let's pray and then you can be seated father we love you and lord we're so thankful for christmas but lord more than just a day we're thankful for our lord and savior jesus christ and lord i'm thankful this morning for eternal salvation I'm thankful that I'm a child of God. I know that I've been saved. I know that I'll be with Jesus for all of eternity. And Lord, I'm thankful for how you have all of this planned out. And Lord, at the fullness of time, at the exact right time, you sent forth Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful for that. Now, would you help us, encourage us, and uh, Lord, challenge us Throughout this message this morning now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, so many may think that the timing of Jesus being born, and I'm not here this morning to worry about arguing on whether it was December the the 25th or not, okay? I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm not worried about what day or what night that Jesus was actually born on. And if you have it pinpointed, then wonderful, okay? And uh, I'm not real worried about that. I'm more concerned and thankful for the fact that Jesus was born, okay? And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And so some may say, well, it was just maybe by chance or by accident until you read and actually study the Scriptures, And we come over here to a verse like this where the Bible says the fullness of time. Now, it is evident as we read throughout the scriptures that the place of his birth was set, In fact, the Bible gives us the prophecy back in Micah chapter number five and verse number two that it was gonna be in Bethlehem and not just any Bethlehem, but this Bethlehem where Jesus was going to be born. And therefore, if he was born in any other place, it would not have fulfilled the scriptures. And so we have the place where Jesus was going to be born is set. And you know something, even along the fact that it was going to be a virgin conception and a virgin birth was set throughout the scriptures. We have that all the way back starting in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 where it talks about the the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And then we have it in uh, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14 that the Lord himself will shall give you a sign that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so, if it would have been any other way, then the scriptures would not have been right, and it would not have fulfilled the prophecy. And then we come here to Galatians chapter number four, and we see that even the timing of the birth of the Lord Jesus was even established and set by God. And you could go back and we could look at the prophecies even all the way back in Daniel and around chapter number nine starts talking about when the Lord Jesus, the Messiah was going to be coming and the future destruction of the temple, all of that being prophesied aside, and the fullness of time was come. At that moment, at the right time, now, can I remind us, those of you that do understand biology, it wasn't just that on Christmas morning, God said, okay, now's the time. No, you do have to back that up nine to 10 months, okay? And uh, when all of this was taking place, God had it all planned, God had it all scheduled, had it all set, on when Jesus was going to be born. I believe that God puts more thought into things and more planning than probably what we do. A lot of times. God has it set. God had it set thousands of years in advance. Can you imagine as he had that plan all set in eternity past and just checked that off and said, that's one more thing. I don't have to worry about it. It's just going to be set down through the ages. God had it taken care of. How many are real good at procrastinating? How many will raise your hand tomorrow about that that I just mentioned, okay? And uh, we're good at just putting things off and saying I'll get to them. Listen, God has this thing running according to his time and his purpose all the way through. How do you how do you think they can know? Listen, three years from now on when high tide is going to be over at Hampton Beach. Because God has this thing running as clockwork. And we understand that. And we understand that God sent forth his son when that fullness of time was come. But in these verses that we're looking at this morning, there's a few things that I want to point out because I love the the comparison that is made here. I, I love the example that's given of Christ. And then I love the blessings. We'll get to them at the end of it about Christ coming forth. First of all, I want you to see this. I want you to see that the the bondage that is there without Christ... He says here in verse number three, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, the comparison and the the example that he's given here is really the example of a very wealthy person, the example of a wealthy man that actually has a child, but yet he says here that as long as he is a child, he's no different than... Than just a servant, a worker that is in the house. He doesn't have the rule and reign over everything. In other words, he's still under his parents' and his father's authority. And it's during that time, listen, he's under tutors and governors, and we understand what's being talked about there is not just the governor of a state, but it would be the governor of an estate that is overseeing uh, this estate that this wealthy man may have, and these tutors that are being brought in, they weren't even homeschooling by themselves. They paid for a tutor to be able to come in, and you're under the authority of the tutors, and under the authority of the governors, and you need to learn everything that you possibly can. And then the Bible says this, at a time appointed by the father, when the father would say, okay, you've learned enough, okay, you you can take responsibility, you are ready for the authority. At that point, when that young man became a man, in his father's eyes, ready, if we could say it, put it this way, ready to take over the family business. I was talking with the pastor last week, and he brought up an interesting subject matter that him and I talked about for a little while. He said, you know, we're about the only civilization, he said, that we do not have an official celebration and time when our young men and young women become adults. He said, other civilizations, it's a big deal that a a father looks at their son and says, hey, you're a man now. You've been taught. You're ready to uh, assume some responsibility and some authority. And a young lady, hey, you're you're a godly young lady now. You're ready to be able to take some authority and to be able to take some responsibility. We don't have ceremonies like that when we were walking into the old city of Jerusalem back in August, and uh, it was on a Saturday that we were walking into the old city, and they said on on Saturdays, no, excuse me, it was not on a Saturday. It was on a Friday, because Saturdays are Sabbath. On their Friday, and there were a lot of families there that were celebrating and bringing their... 12 year olds and 13 year olds, and they were coming and having that celebration as they were singing, walking through the cities of the, of the streets of the city. In other words, hey, you're grown up now. And we know that according to culture at that age of 12, and they call it a bar mitzvah today, and they were celebrating and singing as they were going through the streets. Now the comparison that's being made here is you say, well, I'd love to. How many would love to have rich parents or a rich uncle or someone that, listen, at an appointed time, okay, you can take over the family business. Okay, this is all yours now. Now until that day, listen, we don't all have all of that, and I know I don't. And most here don't have that. But the comparison that he's making here is he's using a physical example to be able to bring across a spiritual truth. How many ever got frustrated while you were growing up? And uh, you might have even said this to your parents. I wish you just treat me like an adult when they're 14 and 15 years old. How many ever had your parents look at them and say, okay, I'll treat you like an adult. You better write me out a check for the rent that you have for this month. And you know what rent costs are doing here in New Hampshire, okay? That little room that you have. Oh, I've only got one room and access to this one little bathroom. Okay, that'll be $1,000 a month. No, I'm not providing your food. That'll be extra. Now listen, the physical example that is being given of a spiritual truth here until we mature and get to the point of being able to accept the responsibility and accept the, re- the authority of it, and that's not when we decide, but it was actually when the Father would decide at an appointed time of the Father, the Bible says in verse number two, he's also showing the comparison of spiritually that we are under bondage and authority of sin and the elements of this world until we accept what Christ has given and paid the price for us. We see the bondage without Christ. Now, he's comparing it to Israel here. As Israel is growing up, they're under bondage to the law. And what Paul is saying here is you came to a point and the father said, here's Jesus to be able to set you free from all of that. And I don't know how many people today may be sitting right here that you are still in bondage to the things of this world and under the authority of sin and the things in this world and what Christ is desiring to do for you to be able to say, listen, it is time for you to accept the free gift of eternal salvation and be free from all of that. And for Christ to be able to set you free, listen, through all of that, Christ is saying, listen, the fullness of time, it is time. Now, in relation to the nation of Israel, it's the fullness of time. You had all these prophecies that were taking place, and at the time appointed of the Father, here comes Jesus. In our lives, listen, you may not have been ready to accept the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, But yet maybe over your lifetime, listen, Christ has tried to get it to you. So many people and and testimonies have been given that now they're realizing, hey, you know something? I heard that 30 years ago. But you know what it was? You weren't ready to listen to it. You weren't ready to make that part of your life. It's very few people that actually accept the message of Christ the very first time that they hear it. Most of the time, it's just brushed off. Oh, that's just religion. Oh, that's just what you believe, Phil. That's not good enough for me. But then as time goes on, boy, Christ reveals himself again to us and that same message comes and we found it over and over, especially as we walk in prison. You know how many times I've walked into a prison and I've sat down with a young man or a young lady and I've opened up that Bible and been able to tell them the message of Jesus and how many times I've heard these words, that's the same thing my grandmother told me. that's the same thing my mama would say. You know, preacher, and I've heard it said this way, that's the same thing they read to me out of the Bible. Now what it was, is listen, it was being revealed all the way down through these years They just were not ready to accept it. And come to the point, how many times do you think that that father said to that prodigal son, listen, don't go out there into the world. Please don't do that. He wasn't ready to accept that message. Oh, but when he came to himself and he's down there in the pig pen, all of a sudden he's remembering what daddy told him back there at the house. You know what it was? Now is the time for him to be able to hear it and to be able to accept it. And I'm saying in our lives, here it was for the nation of Israel, and they still didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. But I will say in each and every one of our lives, there's many that go through their life and they live their life under bondage of sin. And they say, hey, I'm trying this and I'm trying that. Hey, maybe just in time for Christmas. To be able to realize that, listen, this is why Jesus came. Jesus did not come just to be born in a, in a, and be laid in a manger and to be able to live a great life. He didn't just come for all that, He came to set the captives free. Well, I'm, I'm not captive, you're in captivity to your own sin if you haven't allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to make you free. And can I say this? It's not just for those that aren't saved, but there's those that are sitting here this morning and you're still under the bondage of sin. You still have things in your life that you're saying, I know that that that's not right. We went through it in Sunday school this morning when we went to define in sin, what is sin? Sin is not breaking man's law. Sin is breaking God's law. And I use the comparison of this. I believe you can go out into the state of California right now and listen, if you need Christmas gifts, go to California. And uh, you can just walk in stores out there and just take what you want as long as it's not over $1,000. And they won't even prosecute you for it. I'm not condoning that. But you see videos of 10 and 15, 20 people running in a store at the same time, grabbing everything that they can and just going back out the store and people just standing there and watching them. Now, listen, that may not be, and I know it's still against the law out there. They're just not bothering with it. You say, well, it's not breaking man's law. No, but listen, stealing is still sin when it comes to God's law. And so we see examples. Well, that might not be breaking man's law, but sin is breaking God's law. And there may be Christians that are seated here today, and you may say, well, I've got things in my life. Listen. Just in time for Christmas, that's why Christ came to set you free from the bondage of this world and sin that may be controlling you on a daily basis, the bondage without Christ. But then I want you to see this, second of all, as we look down through here in verse number four, we have the bringing forth at the appointed time. He says here in verse number four, but when the fullness of the time Was come. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Now we see it in verse number two that there was a time appointed of the Father. And in verse number four it says, But when the fullness of the time was come. Do you imagine how it was for those, I'm estimating, about 4,000 years before Christ that mankind was in existence? And during all that time, it was just a countdown of the clock to when Christ would be revealed here in this world. Do you understand that one event literally changed not just the world, but changed our calendar? And I know they're trying to do away with it now. If you see... uh, Uh, dates that are, and I I don't know why they say prehistoric. How can you have something before history? Okay. Anyway, we're not going to get into that, but you see old dates. What's the thing that they say? They would say it is 5,000 BC. You know what that's for? Before Christ. Even the secular world, this event that took place, the fullness of the time. Listen, at that appointed time, Here comes Christ entered into the world. The revealing of Christ so changed. This one event changed, and everything that was there is designated as before. Everything afterwards is after. We understand the difference that it makes. Now, they're even trying to get away with that now, trying to change that BC to be able to get it away from before Christ. But I also saw this, listen, at the appointed time, and we see it in the history of mankind, but how many of us in our lives, we also have that defining point? How many, as we're going through life, we can say, you know something, this was before Christ, this was after Christ. You say, what made the difference in a life? When Christ, the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. Do you understand that little phrase right there? At the bringing forth at the appointed time, this right here is confirmation of the virgin birth. Do you understand every child today is made of a man and a woman? I saw a little video clip this week that a, a man, he was sitting in his pickup truck, and he said, I finally got to use the gate opener that I made seven years ago and it was his little girl jumping out of the truck to go open the gate there at the farm. <laughs> he said, I finally get to use the gate opener I made seven years ago, and his, his daughter's out there unchaining the gate and open it up so daddy can drive through with his pickup truck onto the farm. Listen, every child today is made of a man and made of a woman. Do you understand what the Bible says here? At the appointed time, listen, God sent forth his son, Made of a woman. Confirmation of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can I also remind you of this? The emphasis here is not on the virgin birth. The emphasis is not on the virgin. It is not on Mary. The emphasis here is on the God who sent forth his only begotten son. The emphasis is on the son. At the appointed time, the bringing forth at the appointed time, I just see, and, and this is how I envisioned it all, I just see God up in heaven just orchestrating everything that's taking place at this time. I mean, kind of like the, the, the conductor behind the scenes. That's saying, okay, you step out. Angels, you ready? Jesus is about to be born. Get ready, angels. You're on. The heavens roll back. The the angels are announcing the birth of the Lord Jesus. Gets the shepherd's attention. Light, start shining. Okay, now lead them over this way. Hey, shine a little brighter. Got to get them wise men over there. They need to start seeing this. God's orchestrating all of it. And it was all with perfect timing. Think back in your life of what it was like before Christ and after Christ at the appointed time that Christ entered your life. Boy, think about it not just in your life, but think about it in your family's life. Where would the family be today before Christ and after Christ? Boy, what a difference, not just in a calendar, but what a difference in a home that Christ makes. Listen, just in time for Christmas... For Jesus coming forth. But then I want you to see this. And here's really where I want to spend a little bit of time this morning. It says, At the fullness of time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And then for the next two verses, He gives us the blessings of his coming how many enjoy christmas where you get to go down and and listen i know with husbands and wives you probably know what each other buys you but there's still something about going down and unwrapping a present isn't there there's still something to be able to see something with your name on it and be able to know that someone has taken some time and they've paid for it lord willing They've paid for it. They have wrapped it up. Hey, I just heard of someone this week, and they bought something from someone else, and it was at a really good price. Honestly, I doubted the price. I was like, that's a really good price. He said, I thought so too. He said, so I, I looked at the other man that I was buying it from. You understand this the, the, the society we live in. He said, he, I looked over and said, are these hot? He said, I don't think so. He said, good enough for me. Here you go. I mean, it was a a great day. But you know, when, when people have put time into it, God sent his son forth. And the next two verses starts with why he does that. And I want you to see these blessings of his coming. First of all, he says this, that we have redemption. The Bible says in verse number five, he sent it in fullness of time. God sent forth his son to redeem them that were under the law to redeem them. Do you understand what the word redemption is? I've used this example before. We don't have it here in New Hampshire, but growing up in Maine, we had to keep every bottle, every can, every two liter and take them back to the redemption center to be able to get our nickel, to be able to get our dime back. And they would buy them back from us. My entire life growing up, there was a paper bag that was in the corner of the kitchen and every can, we didn't drink that much soda growing up and things like that, but every can, every bottle had to be put in that. And if my mom saw it in the garbage, that's five cents. My wife would walk along the side of the road and pick up aluminum cans to be able to get the five cents a piece, and that's how she actually helped be able to send herself to a Bible camp one summer, is because she was redeeming cans. Now, Brother Wayne just picks them out of the the, the dumpster down here because he can go and get how much it. And I'm not. Don't tell me how much it is for every pound of aluminum that's out there, and he gets to go redeem it. Do you understand what's taking place here? The Bible says to redeem them that are under the law. Do you understand under the bondage that it was previously mentioned in these past, these verses of Scripture that Jesus was sent forth to be able to redeem us because we were in that bondage under the law? In other words, he come down to be able to buy us back from destruction. The Bible even describes that a little previously in 1 Corinthians where he says that you have been bought with a price the price was the lord jesus christ god sent forth his son to redeem us that were under the law we understand the law that is specifically being talked about here yes is in relation to the old testament law that the entire nation of israel was just trying to keep this entire list well maybe if i do all of this then i'm going to be okay with god Can I say things haven't changed much 2,000 years later? There are still people that go through their life and they're still saying, listen, if I can just do all these things... Well, maybe if I'm just faithful in church, then God will love me more and I can get into heaven. Well, maybe if I help this little old lady get across the street, then I can maybe get into heaven. Maybe if I do this and do that, listen, it's not in what you do that's going to be able to get you into heaven because that's why Jesus came was to redeem us that are under that law. And that's what he did for Israel. And it was a matter of saying, listen, you can't keep all of this. How many here have ever read the Ten Commandments? You ever read them? You've seen them somewhere? How many here have kept every one of the Ten Commandments for your entire life? Do you understand the Ten Commandments are just there to be able to show us we can't keep them? Isn't that so encouraging? And we read throughout Galatians, and one of the purposes of the law was just to show us that we can't do it, and we need Jesus. And he said, God sent forth his son to redeem them that were under the law. Listen, that may be you today, that you're here, and you say, listen, I am trying to do all that I can. Would you realize that that's why Jesus came? In fact, after salvation, you may say, hey, I'm still trying to do and do and do all of this. Would you realize that's why Jesus came? Was to set the captives free. Redemption, but then he says this, not just to redeem us, but he said in verse number five, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Do you understand Jesus came that we can be adopted? Now, I'm not going to get into a whole lot this morning about the subject matter of adoption, but it is absolutely fascinating if you will go study adoption. Adoption, our former pastor from down in Tennessee, him and his wife, when they were, I think, 22, 23 years old, they were actually helping out a 17-year-old. And had taken him into their house and was trying to help them. And he came from a, a rough background and rough house. And so they went through all the paperwork and literally adopted this 17-year-old. So you have a 22, 23-year-old adopting a 17-year-old. Do you understand they issue a brand new birth certificate? And so here, and it's listed as parents and they named the parents with their birth dates, and it looks like they were five and six years old when they gave birth to this boy who they adopted. But listen, all record of previous life and family is gone, and that birth certificate is just as if it was on the day of original birth. And the Bible says here that God sent, God sent forth his son, to redeem us, that we can receive the spirit of adoption. I also made mention in Sunday school this morning about salvation. Now listen, adoption is actually a result of salvation, okay? The Bible teaches that we're adopted because we're saved. If you get that straight in your mind, it'll clear up some verses out there that say that, well, we're predestined to be adopted. We are every person that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be adopted into the family of God. And we understand that from Scripture. Do you understand that by law, that a parent cannot write an adopted child out of their will? Because they actually made the conscious decision and chose them to be a part of their family. We're adopted into the family of God. Do you understand that it's not that he wouldn't want to, but once we're in the family of God, there's no way of us getting out of it? He can, <laughs> We can't leave it if we want to, and he can't kick us out. It goes against the very character of God. Once we are in, we are in. You say, but you don't know what that kid did to me. Probably the same things you did to your parents. And we want to say, listen, my kids could walk away and they could say, listen, I want nothing to do with you. I'm changing my name. I'm changing my looks. I'm never going to call you. I'm never going to visit. Guess what? It's still my bloodline that's running through them. And no matter what they say, no matter what they do, they're still my children. And that's the same way it is with the Lord. Now I want you to see this. So we're redeemed, that's salvation, We're redeemed, we receive the adoption of sons, and then verse number 6, and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. Do you understand a great result of salvation? Is we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. At the moment of salvation, we get the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. In fact, the Bible says again, uh, back in Corinthians, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know how it is as a, as a child of God. I'm not talking about your conscience before you're saved, but I'm talking about after you're saved, and you just got that still small voice inside of you, that leading that we say, boy, something's just telling me not to do that. Something's just telling me that's what I need to do, and it's confirmed with the Word of God. That's the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. Or when there's sin in our lives, I won't ask for a show of hands of how many have had sin in their life. When there's sin in our life and all of a sudden we say, oh, that's not right. Something inside of us, you should not have done that. It's not right. It's the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And boy, we have Him dwelling inside of us. And listen, He says this, He sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Why? Crying, Abba, Father. Father. Now, you can go back and look. I won't spend much time on it. That word Abba is that, that Hebrew word. Literally, it's the most uh, dearest term of endearment, also redundant, for a father. It would be equivalent. How many love it when their little baby said dada? How many loved it when they said mama first? Okay. They said dada. Do you understand that that term Abba, father? would be our equivalent of a child looking at their father saying, Daddy. I preached a message about that one time out in Pennsylvania. And I had a man walk out. I was standing at the back door there shaking hands. And a man walked out and he said, I believe the Lord just told me to tell you that you're a messenger of the devil. I said, I appreciate you taking the time. Be able to come by and be able to talk to him. No, you are, because you, you made mention there of that Abba father and, and uh, that daddy, and, and uh, that's just being disrespectful to our heavenly father. When you say something like that, and you're just the messenger of the devil, and I, I needed to tell you that on the way out. And I said, well, sir, with all due respect, I'm not worried about what you're saying. And I said, because that's what the Bible says. And I said, I believe that God so desires and made us to be able to have that relationship and that fellowship with him. And listen, this bleeds over into every part of our lives as a Christian, that when it comes time to to, to pray, spend time in prayer, hey, we're talking to him just like we're talking to our father. We're just spending time with him. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is at the fullness of of the time. Can I ask you to realize this Christmas, all the time and preparation that went into making this a special day? I'm not talking the the 30 days that you spend getting it ready. I'm not talking about, listen, the end of September when you're pulling out your Christmas decorations and all the time and preparation that goes into it. I'm not talking about that time, but the realization of the thousands of years that God was preparing things for Christ to be able to enter into this world. Now think of all that God's done in your life to prepare you to receive Christ. You may be sitting here this morning... And you say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that I'm a child of God. You know what usually happens over the next months and years? It's happening right now. I, I, he's, he's having to drive this morning. But uh, Brian Poro gave the testimony a couple weeks ago. He said, I'm just thinking back over my life now that I'm saved. And he said, I'm thinking back over my life at all the things that God did to be able to bring me to this point. You know something? You may be sitting here and say, I'm here by accident. You may say, oh, this is just by chance. No, what God's trying to do is, listen, He's brought you all the way to this point to be able to hear about at the right time, listen, the message of Christ that would make a difference in your life. Perhaps today is the day that you need to receive the greatest Christmas gift that's ever been given and that's the message and the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or it may be that it's the fullness of the time in our lives Christians and we need to realize that Christmas is a great time to understand that he came to set the captives free. He came to free us from the bondage of the elements of this world that we can live in victory because Christ came. And it's just in time for Christmas. Just in time the fullness Of the time, the bondage without Christ, the bringing forth at the appointed time, the blessings of his coming. Have you accepted that? Is it real in your life? Listen, he closed it out in verse number seven what we read. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Remember, he started off speaking of a son. In verse number 1, and he said, You're no longer just a servant. You're no longer, but you're a child of God. All because of Christ.